Hey, this is Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. And I've been on that show. It's a good show, I think. I have to, I'm still figuring out how to listen to podcasts. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Andy Erickson. Well, growing up, I was I was just kind of drawn to like childlike things. Like I loved reading like anime books when I was younger, and I loved unicorns and squirrels. And being a kid, like I loved I babysat a lot, so I got to be a kid. You might have seen Andy on Last Comic Standing. She's very funny. Uh, kind of that homespun humor from Minnesota. She's hilarious and uh, really a lot of interesting things to say. Uh, also, I should tell you that I'm speaking to you from Denver, Colorado, looking out my hotel room window now across downtown Denver. Although by the time you hear this, I will be back home in Cincinnati, having been to southern Indiana uh, in between all that. So anyway, Song of the Week is from Metric. Uh, you're going to dig that, I'm sure. But since it's uh, the Christmas season, uh, I'm going to re-gift a dumb bit to you, and uh, you'll understand that joke right now. Erickson is a stand-up comedian originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota, like so many friends of the show, like uh, Mary Mack and Tim Harmston. Well, they're off of Wisconsin, but they started in Minneapolis, as did our friend Jackie Cation, also Wisconsin by Minneapolis. Here now is our interview with Andy Erickson. Enjoyed you on uh, Last Comic Standing, and I've, uh, finally, after all this time, uh, had the chance to talk to you. So, um, uh, what's been going on since then? I, I guess you're out in California working on some stuff. Yeah, I after Last Comic Standing, I went on tour for a few months all around the country, which was pretty sweet. And then I just live in California. I auditioned for some a TV show, and I'm going to be on the next episode of Screen Queen, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Now, if I recall correctly from seeing the little bio thing they did on last comic, you're a Minnesota girl? Yeah, I'm from Minnesota, born and raised in, like, the up the northern suburbs of Minneapolis, like Ham Lake and Blaine. Okay, cool. 
And then, so I don't remember, so were you like a, a funny gal growing up and people said you should be on a stage or did, was it something you were always interested in comedy or how did your interest in comedy develop? Well, growing up, I didn't, I kind of used sarcasm and silliness as like a defense mechanism as people are ought to do. And my mom always thought I was really funny and I, I loved making my parents laugh. And my teachers laughed too. Like I loved in school, anytime I'd answer questions, I would try to answer it in a funny way. Often frustrating teachers, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it made it more fun. And uh, my friends are the ones who told me to do stand-up. I never wanted to do it, but they, they just kept telling me, you should do it, you should do it. And I did it one time and fell in love and been yeah. doing it nine years. <laughs> so where did you first do it in Minneapolis or uh, somewhere else? First time I did it was on Acti Comedy Club oh, okay. in 2007. Yeah, right. I did the open mic there. There you go. Well, see, I'm I'm actually in Cincinnati, so I'm uh, I'm familiar with the Minneapolis scene only from talking to all the comics that are in it, like you know Tim Harmon oh, and cool. Mary Mack and Jackie Cation. Although she's from Wisconsin, she came up through there and uh, Tracy oh, Ashley awesome. and Tim Slagle and all those people. Yeah, I know. A lot of the uh, the Acme crew. They invited me up once to judge a uh, uh, a stand up comedy contest. Oh but, yeah! But it was too it was cost prohibitive for me to fly there. My wife was like, "You should do it." <laughs> My wife was all set to let me go, and she said, uh, "But we looked at the prices, uh, and you know, flying from Cincinnati, which is a hub, to Minneapolis, which is a hub, is very expensive." So, didn't work out. Wow! I know, right? Gosh, I always fly Sun Country, and I get really cheap. Like they don't go everywhere. <laughs> there you go, Allegiant. Is uh, our preferred airline. Oh, nice. Yeah, and if the and if the airplane oh. breaks, you're stuck for a while. Oh crap! <laughs> yeah, they, don't, they only have the one, the one per flight, and that's it. But um, wow, yeah. So, uh, so you started doing stand up, and then uh, did you start like touring more and more from around Minneapolis, or how did you catch notice yeah. of the past comic people? Uh, I I made my way up through the ranks in Minneapolis doing all the clubs and I did a bunch of comedy festivals and contests and kind of made my way that way and then I moved out to LA and then when I was in LA I was seen by someone who asked me to audition the last summer. Okay. And yeah, so it was pretty cool. So did you move out to LA with the notion of doing stuff uh, like stand-up and other stuff? Because I know a lot of people, they a lot of comics, when they move out of their market to New York or LA, New York's always the place you go if you want to really do stand-up a lot more, and LA's mm-hmm. more if you want to do both. Was that the case with you? Yeah, I wanted to do more acting and writing. Okay. And I also have a lot of fr- I mean, I have friends in both states or cities, I guess. Um, but I just, I had a group of people from Minneapolis who had moved out to LA as well, like Amber Preston, Eric Allen, Zion, and, okay, yeah. uh, Mary Mack and Tim Harmston, Jackie Cation. There was a big group of us here, so I yeah. kind of thought that this would be a good place to have like a community. Uh, too. when I was, back when I was growing up in the seventies, it was the big Cleveland connection was out there and it was guys like oh, cool. Mar- Martin Mull and Pat McCormick and Tim Conway. Oh, cool. It was kind of that crew. So, yeah, it's kind of funny how different cities send out different, you know, packs of mm-hmm. of comedy. Um, it's interesting. Oh, yeah. It's way more fun to go to open mics with your friends. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. It worked out. Now, how did you do when you first got to L.A.? Did, did people take a shine to you? Because sometimes people some people don't, don't uh, cotton to our Midwestern antics sometimes. And other times... Oh, they, God. <laughs> no, I had a really good time. I've had a really good time. It's been... Fun. Like I started my own show, you know, I, that's always good to do. Oh yeah. And I had so many friends that it was 
if I was able to get on the shows and and uh, keep doing my thing, and I guess, uh, you know, people like weird people here in LA. So I think the alternative comedy does pretty good out here. And I, you know, it's you, you have good sets and bad sets. Like I think everywhere, but LA they seem to like unicorns and squirrels. So yeah. <laughs> they're cool in my book. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, there. I guess there is that. But then you know, you're just such a solid joke writer, though. I, I, seems, seems, <laughs> I try. Yeah, seems, <laughs> I have like, so many bad jokes that it 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 when I find a good one, it's good. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's it's good that I have places where I can try them out. And if you do bad, they'll forgive you. So I guess that's a good quality too. <laughs> so uh, I'm curious. It seems to me that you would be one of those people that has uh, a couple of jokes that you find hilarious that maybe audiences don't. Oh my gosh, yes. Like that's, and that's the tricky part. I have so many jokes that I really think should work and they, they, I think they're so silly and so yeah. fun. And a lot of times it's just tweaking it a little bit. So I go back to my old notebook all the time and bring out old stuff and now that I'm a better writer, I can make it work. Uh, yeah. um, but I, so I have, I've, I've written thousands of jokes. I have so many bad jokes that I kind of just want to share them. It's like, hey guys, this is all the bad ones. You should just do a, a, a book, Andy Erickson's book of bad jokes. I, yeah, I actually have a book that I wrote with like a ton, like a bunch of jokes and stories and stuff, and I actually have it in ebook form. I've just never sold it, but I have one. Huh. Like, I can totally just be selling. I can put it on my website and be like, hey, give me a dollar and you can have it. But I don't know. <laughs> so, big and nervous. So when you're writing jokes, I, I imagine it's not a. It, it seems like a thing you could write down and sit down and, and do. But do, do, I guess do jokes just kind of come to you out of situations, or do you like there's, there are that minority <laughs> of comics that do sit down and make themselves write for an hour a day? Which which kind of side of the fence do you fall on? I I find the it's best to do a combination of both, and it really is where throughout my day something situation strikes me and a lot of times I'll just be like a pun too well like oh that's a good pun yeah. I'll write it down <laughs> oh excuse me <clears throat> and um so I'll do that and then I do I sit down I sit take time out to write and and I find it's better I sit down and I write in an actual notebook with my hand writing I feel like I'm more creative that way because I think the mind connects with the hand and it's just you feel more connected with what you're saying oh yeah so yeah. I do that and I write for like uh, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes for as long as I, as I kind of things are going. And then later I go back and as I typing them into as tweets or as in jokes, I type them into my computer, then I'll kind of like reword them and, and kind of, I'll come back to them with like a fresh mindset. But it's definitely a combination of living life and then sitting down and writing like, like, like a job. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess it's always hard to tell on a show like Last Comic and even on like, you know, the late night talk shows. Is kind of your TV stuff indicative of your stage set or do you get to like, you know, stretch your legs a bit when you're on stage and kind of expand things? See, what's great is that because of my one-liners, they do translate well for a showcase set. So like on Last Comic Standing, I was able just to put together, you know, pick 10 jokes here, you know, 12 there and kind of set it up. So it, it's, a, it's like a... Just, Here's one-liners. I feel like one-liners are pretty good for shorter sets. But my longer set is that it's, it's not much like TV because also when I was on last conversation, I was so nervous that it's just me kind of just doing my thing, getting the jokes out, and then being like, oh, good, I didn't die. <laughs> yeah. And then in real life, it's, uh, I'm so much more relaxed because 
there's just if you mess up, it doesn't matter. Like only maybe only a couple hundred people will see. And if, if you mess up, it's it's fine. Like it's fine. Like right. you mess up a joke, you can go off script. Whereas when you're on TV, if you go off script, you have to get everything approved ahead of time so you can say something. And they go, oh, you you can't mention that or say that. Or if I told a joke I already told, like from a previous level on last conversation, like I could have been disqualified. So there's just so much rush. Oh yeah, I got but the question, yeah, in live, I I start out testing the audience to see how weird they're gonna let me get, okay. and based on how my first couple jokes about wizards go or whatever, I decide it's like a choose your own adventure, and we just kind of pick <laughs> away. And, and I normally go from I start with one liners early on, and I slowly do less and less one liners and go into more stories okay. as I, as it kind of progresses in crowd wrap because it's really hard to go back to one-liners at the end of your set after you've already talked about some yeah. other things. So like, we don't want a one-liner, we want a be dirty. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, yeah. speaking of the unicorns and such, did you always have an interest in that as well? And and how did you fold that into your comedy? Well, growing up, I would, I would just be kind of drawn to, like, childlike things. Like, I loved reading, like, anime books when I was younger, and I loved unicorns and squirrels and being a kid like I love I babysat a lot oh. and so I got to be a kid and it, and that was really fun I'd go over to my friend's house and my friend who was my age I would just feel she would stay in her room and read and I would go with the, the little kids and play Pokemon or like you know play video games so I, I was just drawn I thought it was more fun to be silly and 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 um and, and unicorns and squirrels just they're just such a magical thing, and so many other people like them too. That it's a fun like thing to share together. That you love unicorns, <laughs> and uh, as far as comedy goes, I don't really have any unicorn jokes. Like I think I had one, um, but you know, it's it's kind of good to those things are kind of uh, a little more to me. Maybe it's too personal to talk about. <laughs> but, uh... No, I don't know. I don't know. But there's kind of a through line through it, I guess, now that you explain it that way, that, you know, the, about having, mm-hmm. just having a good time and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, feeling it's... Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and I forget about it, but I've had people be like, gosh, I, like, I see you on stage, I can tell you're having so much fun, and it's like, oh, right, like, obviously everyone has fun when they're on stage because you're making other people laugh, but, like, I really genuinely am. If I'm having a bad day, the second you go on stage, you just, you don't even think about it because you're, you're just up there trying to have trying to have fun, be silly, and, and I try not to talk about, and I'm trying to do more of it, though, but in the past, I didn't really talk about serious things, I would just talk about fun things to, like, take people's minds off things, like, I wouldn't try to make fun of people, and if I do, it's in a way that it's just a silly way, I don't try to, like, put people down, yeah, or, or call out a group, or make fun, but I do, I do have jokes that can be, some people can be offended by, too, I'm not afraid to offend people, but I also just try to balance it out and relate with people who, a lot of people like being in front of themselves. So when I do jokes about people with scoliosis, it's like, well, I have scoliosis and we're just being silly. I wouldn't, like, call out someone and make fun of them. Yeah. But I will make fun of you. I think a lot of comics do. They'll make fun of themselves while also kind of making fun of other people to kind of bring people together. So when the audience does let you go off, um, you know, kind of uh, uh, and get a little deeper, what kind of things will you discuss and, and get into that are or less about one-liners? Well, I, I'm now working on um, things about growing up and uh, my life with my dad, who he passed away when I was 23. Oh. And it's just been a topic that I kind of have avoided because I don't like to think about it. Like, I don't, if you're writing a joke about 
somebody died, then you're, you're thinking about it. And I, I, right. I try not to think about it, but and then I've just realized it has been good. It's been therapeutic to just tell stories and connect with the audience. And so many people have lost parents or loved ones, children. So I think people do like to connect with that. So it does, it opens up a whole nother, like, different side to comedy and it gives me more things to just explore and connect with people about. So I have been having a good time just digging deeper, I guess. Though I don't, I think some people say that that is like the highest level of comedy is when you're being more talking about real shit and real pain. But I yeah. think all comedy has a place. And, I, and if I, and if no one ever wanted to talk about the things in their life, like if they had mental illness or suicide or all these dark, things that people have to do if they never want to I think that's fine too I think people need to find whatever makes them whatever brings them any sort of comfort and joy to make other people laugh I, I think all comedy is all comedy is good I think it's it's a good it's, I think it's important for society as a whole to laugh at whatever we can or want to about <laughs> yeah and as you, as you get older you know you get like you say you get more comfortable than people you know mm -hmm. a lot of people tell yeah. you that they get they feel more comfortable being more personal with the audience whereas when you're younger mm -hmm. you just want to you know if you get them laugh that's step one and then you know you can go from there <laughs> yeah yep always a challenge mm -hmm. well terrific well i appreciate you taking the time today um th th this is a fun chat and uh, like hopefully we can get you down here in cincinnati sometime soon as well yes yes that'd I will, be amazing i will uh, i will put a, a bug in somebody's ear about that and, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll reach out. I'll what cl what clubs do you are you friends with? Well, uh, Go Bananas is kind of the opposite number of Acme, and there are a couple of people that are. Yeah, I love Go Bananas. Like Cy Admonson, uh, he's best mates with a guy named Mike Cronin, who performs this from here. And we get some okay. of the uh, yeah, I know Mike. We get some of the Acme crew down here sometimes. I think I think Tracy has been down here before. Um, oh, yeah, cool. and uh, but then others. It's weird. Others haven't. Um, uh, Jackie played the chain, uh, the funny bone across the river, uh, a couple times and it's just odd, but I, if I, oh, and Tim is coming, um, this week, uh, next week, Tim Harmston. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, so. I'll have to tell him to, to put my name in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, have him, have him talk to the, the guy, and I will also message him today, I do this often, and then I just say, look, I'm just, I'm just passing this along, and I think that's probably how Tim ended up there, because I mentioned that Tim wanted to. Oh. So. Heck yeah. Yeah, yeah. Dude, so, that's the best. We'll get, we'll get that, <laughs> we'll get that sorted. Thank you. All right, Andy. Well, good talking to you. Yeah, you too. Have right. a good day. All right, bye-bye. Thanks again to Andy Erickson for being on the show. Uh, if you want to catch Andy, what you'll need to do is go to her website, andyerickson.com. Andy, A-N-D-Y, uh, -E then Erickson, just with a K, E-R-I-K. S-O-N, those crazy Minnesotans and their Northern European roots and all their crazy spellings of Erickson. Uh, so just, yeah, just go to AndyErickson.com because uh, we recorded that interview actually a few weeks ago when she was headlining at the Acme there in Minneapolis. So uh, I'm sure she'll have new tour dates up soon. Uh, let me see. I'm looking down on her uh, on her uh, schedule list. No, it's uh, the last thing she's listed is actually November 7th, which was a college gig in New York State. So go to AndyAxon.com, all kinds of other fun stuff involving unicorns and rainbows and, and things like that. So we're up to the song of the week here, and the song of the week is from Metric. Now again, this album came out actually last summer, so summer 2015, and it, I, again, I, I can't believe I didn't know about this group. They're from Toronto, they're all electronic-y, and uh, it, it took uh, me hearing it uh, on Rock Solid, uh, Pat Francis' 
podcast. His daughter actually brought uh, it on. She was bringing on some music she didn't think her dad had heard. And this is one of the bands. And now I totally love Metric off of Toronto, Canada. Uh, This is their song, Four Kicks, from the album Pagans in Vegas. P.F.'s tape recorder, so long and thanks for listening. (laughs) 